Episode 145 of the Bevan James R Show, Little Nuggets of Wisdom. Radio team, welcome along to episode 145 of the Bevan James. I'll show you a fortnightly podcast, your fortnightly podcast on the behaviors that create a lifetime love of fitness so you can get all the benefits that come alongside it. Um, welcome along to today's show. I, um, I've had a couple of weeks actually. Actually, it's actually really nice because I'm heading into my quiet time of the year. The best thing about the fitness industry is once December comes around, our industry kind of dies. And it's partly because people are heading into the social function season, um, life gets busy around Christmas, and fitness, particularly in maybe, you know, southern hemisphere countries where it's summer, tends to kind of fall off the back wagon a little bit as we lead into this period of time, which is maybe not a good thing for most people out there, but for us fitness professionals, it's actually quite nice because uh, Joe and myself, we've had a massive year, so it's quite nice to get a couple of weeks leading into Christmas and around the New Year period to just relax and just kind of unwind and do some reflection and catch up with friends and, and do all those kind of healthy things that are really important. Actually, I actually got a phone call earlier today from um, a, an organisation in in New Zealand that started, I can't actually remember the name of it, wait a second, I'm going to pause and come back. It's called All Right, and All Right basically, it's allright.org.nz, and when we had the Christchurch earthquakes oh, about seven or eight years ago, one of the big things that uh, we were concerned of in our community was what about mental health and how are people going to emotionally and kind of, well, mainly emotionally, emotionally deal with the stresses of the experience of the earthquakes. And so an organisation got called All Right got set up and they've been going since then and they, um, I, I'm pretty sure it's probably bigger than just Christchurch because they've become a bigger thing. Um, but what they really are is just trying to promote mental health. And it's a good thing because let's be honest, in today's world, mental health is becoming a bigger and bigger problem. And um, I, I'll put a link to their website on the show notes just because if you want to go check it out, you can kind of, you know, it's got good articles. They do things sort of like resources and they have resources for like men, community, um, just, you know, resources you can actually buy, but they've also got things like tips that you can use for men, parents, teenagers, just, you know, and sometimes it's common sense, but sometimes just spending a bit of time thinking about these things are really important stuff. But they rang me before and just asked me if I feel my thoughts on how to be healthy, not just physically, but mentally through the holiday period. And, um, you know, I, I talked about, and I've talked about this in the show in the past, but how as we head into the holiday season, and again, I know I've got listeners all around the world, but, you know, maybe if this isn't your holiday season where you are, keep this in mind for the future, because particularly in the summer months and the holiday season, we tend to be confronted with a lot more temptation in our life and I, I talk about it as temptation season you know I actually I taught a class this morning at the gym this morning and uh, at the end of the class I was just talking about temptation season and everybody laughed because they knew what I meant and, and what is that it just means that in the next period of time you're going to be confronted with a lot more temptation uh, that might be alcohol, it might be food, it might be social time where you're staying up late. And while this is a fun time of the year, we only want to just keep some limits on it 
at the right level for ourselves. And I'm not saying this that I want to be a Debbie Downer and that you can't do anything at this time of the year. Far from it. I, you know, you want to embrace what this time of the year has to offer. But also just having some limits around it. You know, like you know, like for a lot of people, going out for dinner means they're going to gorge themselves on food. And maybe if you gorge yourself on food when you go out for dinner once every month, you can get away with that. But if you're going out three times a week, maybe you want to set some limits on the kind of limit around food you're going to eat as you go out for dinner. So you might set your parameters in a different level than maybe what you would do if you were only going out once a month. And And the whole reason of this is just that while it's a fun time of the year, it's a high cost time if you really let go in the temptation and the high cost to your health. And there's the obvious physical side of it. So you might put on some weight, uh, you might be more fatigued. So there's the kind of stress side of it as well, isn't there? Because you probably won't function at a high level. And to me, one of the things we want to be thinking about in these temptation times in our life is we want to be able to get the enjoyment we want out of it. We might want to loosen the reins a little bit, but ultimately we want to keep as healthy to our, or as close to our healthy place as possible. And so that was kind of the message that I had to the people at All Right. It was that we want to enjoy this time of the year, but actually just put some healthy limits around it. And one of the things they were trying to promote was what is the real value of Christmas? Because we live in a world where it's almost like the gifts we give are meant to define or, you know, like how much we spend on our kids or how much we get from others and, and stuff like that is almost the definition of what success is at Christmas time. And uh, and Pip, the girl who was, I was talking to, she said, well, think back, to, uh, just to be, tell me your favourite childhood memories about the holiday seasons. And... Really, it was things like going camping with my family. It was it was basic life stuff. It was connection. It was shared experiences. It was being at the beach. You know, really at this time of year, we think sometimes we have to spend a lot of money, whereas the thing we really value is just those simple things. So I'll put a link to allright.org.nz in the show notes. And another one, now I know this is New Zealand-centric, but there's another great website, and I'm going to just pause because I'll pull up again. I'm back. It's called depression.org.nz. And this is being driven, well, probably by the government, but we have a website in New Zealand called depression.org.nz, and it's a really, really great resource around mental health. They have a lot of good tools on there, like the causes, on how to stay well, on getting better, on getting help, um, and just, just, you know, like some tips. Because one of the things around things like mental health is it's hard to open up about it. You know, people who are struggling with this mental health side of things and I I've never experienced deep depression but I had a moment in my life where I've experienced probably mild depression low-level depression and I remember one of the things I went through at that time was this idea of um, if it gets worse tomorrow I'll do something about it so inside I was kind of really struggling but I, I was kind of like it needs to get worse before I really face it and at that moment, I didn't really understand that actually, no, I need to face it now. And luckily, I was able to figure that out and I was able to work my way through it by getting some help and all those types of things. And that's where uh, these tools here can sometimes just open you up to the fact that maybe you need help and you can find better help along the way. And depression.org.nz is a great website that just 
gives you a bit of a pathway. Now, obviously, I'm in New Zealand, and the allright.org.nz and the depression.org.nz websites are for New Zealand, but they are open to everyone around the world. But I imagine most countries probably have resources like this. And um, it's just, it's a really important subject. We need to make sure, you know, like they've got good tips here, like physical, mental, spiritual, uh, spiritual, uh, social, just little tips like, you know, they've got, for example, on the physical, take uh, take a good look at your day-to-day life and try to maximize the good things for your body. Try to make, uh, make sure you eat well, sleep well, keep physical active and limit alcohol. Now this is new, it's just a matter of keeping on doing it and making a part of your everyday life. Maybe you could take regular trips to places that make you feel good, like the beach, the river and the bush. Or go for regular walks with a friend, drink lots of water every day, get eight hours sleep every night, less alcohol and less time on Facebook or the internet for bed might help taking your medication as prescribed uh, the mind lots of things contribute to good mental health including understanding your thoughts and feelings noticing how you react to what's going on around you and remembering and recognizing the good things in your life expressing your feelings and thoughts is also important we don't all find these easy but the more you do it the easier it becomes maybe you could start a notebook or write down one thing you're thankful for each day Notice when an activity lifts your spirits and energy and try to do some more of that activity every day. Spend time working in the garden. Maintain a good work-life balance. Don't let work stop you from doing things you enjoy. Spend time with your friends and family and keep a handy list of where to go for help. I'm going to keep going because these are good tips. And again, as they said at the top of this page, we know this stuff, but it's about doing it. So a spiritual... Uh, Many things contribute to a spiritual health. It could be your faith or religious group, your cultural belonging, knowing in your whakapapa, which is where you come from, um, which is the Māori word for where you come from, feeling connected to your ancestors and feeling part of your social and natural environment. To keep your spirit strong, it's important to be around nurturing people who make you feel like you belong. That's so important. That's so important. Being around nurturing people who make you feel like you belong. I have my my runners group up and down in. Um, we went to Queenstown last weekend for a half marathon, and it's a cool day because people work really hard over you know a long period of time to achieve this goal. And on this day, this we had like a hundred people do this run, and it's it's awesome. It's just so cool. But at the night time, we always have a social function, and you just everyone knows everyone in the group. Everyone's supportive of everyone in the group. There's this, there's this, some real deep friendships, but it's just there's this connectiveness. And I remember when I wrote my book, I wrote my book um, at the end of my book, which you, which you can get from Amazon.com. You can get it, uh, go to BevanJamesIsles.com. You can get my book. It's called The Fitness Attitude. But when I wrote my book, one of the things I wrote in it was that song um, from the the TV program Cheers. Now many of you won't know the TV program Cheers, but um, the song of it. Because you're too young, <laughs> many of us older ones know what Cheers is. But in the song, the song to the song uh, to the TV program, I'm going to pause because I'm going to pull up the words. Cheers. Now I'm going to read them because it's well. I'm going to read part of it because this is kind of going back. I'm, I know I'm going random today, guys. I'll, I'll explain why in a second. But 
Um, so going back to this guy, we want to be around people, nurturing people who make you feel like you belong. And the song from the TV program, Cheers, here's what the word said. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you've got to go where everybody knows your name and they're always glad you came. You want to be where people see our troubles are all the same. You want to know where, you want to be where everyone knows your name. Um, now, those who know the program know that I, I sing, I read that atrociously in comparison to the song, but, um, and that's what I saw with my runners on Saturday night. Like I got up and did this quick, I always do like a quick speech, which is kind of acknowledges and celebrates and also is a little bit silly. And you just saw, we belong. And, and, you know, I've, I've talked in the show recently around what is health and, you know, people being belonging is a healthy thing. And, and look for, I remember a while ago I did a, a show on, um, baby steps for beginning exercises and one of the things I said is choose a great fitness professional who's great at building community and I love what they put here to keep your spirit strong it's important to be around nurturing people who make you feel like you belong nurturing people that's that can be a conscious choice choose people who are going to make you feel like you belong like it's it's such an important part to mental health and just health in general. So then here they've got, maybe you could find a spot, uh, find a place where you feel at peace, make regular trips to visit family, uh, visit your ancestral mountain, your river, so literally places, uh, learn a second language or native language, walk on the beach, um, chant, read spiritual texts, meditate, and so on. And I have to be on a, on, on a religious sense. I'm not a religious person, but I definitely see myself as a spiritual person. And I don't think you have to be religious to be spiritual. Not that there's anything wrong with being religious. Um, I think a level of spirituality within a life is a good thing. Um, and this whole idea of knowing where you belong as well. So not just nurturing so you feel belong, but knowing your history one thing I, I, I'm going to, when I get into the main just of today's show, I'm going to just kind of share a bit of experience I had recently. I did a bit of a leadership camp within Les Mills. And um, one of the things they did in it is they got a couple of the Māori. So Māori is the native people of New Zealand. And they got a couple of the Māori people in the group just to get up and kind of talk a little bit about Māori culture in a way that was... Um, describing some of their words and where those words come from and to give us a deep understanding of you know, just you know the Māori culture. And it made me realise in my family we're not very good at sharing our history. Like, I don't know if my daughter knows much about my nana's story and my mum and dad's story. She probably knows a little bit about mine because, you know, she, you know she's a part of my life. But I think there's a real value in just starting to understand our, our earlier self. And um, one thing I'm actually thinking about, because my daughter's traveling right now, and she's coming back to New Zealand next week, which I'm really excited about, because I haven't seen her in like six months. And um, we're going to have a family day. We've locked out the Thursday, and my whole family's coming over, and we're just going to go for walks and just have fun. But I was thinking about what I might do is to have a, an interview session with my parents and maybe my nanas. And just so we can share our history of our family because being connected with your your whanau, as the Māori will say, or your family, is a really 
important thing and and sometimes it's you know it's not a like it's that can be a challenging thing I did an interview on a podcast last week with a guy called John Hellemans and John Hellemans is a world leading triathlon coach but he's just retiring and so he's written kind of his book and I love the chance to actually sit down and talk to people who are at the end of their career because to me they represent wisdom especially someone like John who is someone who's always tried to grow and evolve and um, had some pretty amazing experiences along the way, and um, he struggled with his father. His his father and him. And in his book, he writes a lot about how his father and him struggled, and it was a really kind of hard relationship. And but then later on in life, we went into the history and kind of tried to learn more about his father's experience. And while I'm not sure if they ever redeemed their relationship, he gained a, gained a deeper understanding of where his father was coming from, a deeper understanding of who he was as a person, and it really helped him in his experience of life. And I do think that understanding your history, there is some real value in that. And so I know for myself and my family, it's something we're going to do. And I think when we think about spiritual, that is also an aspect of it as well, is that knowing my history, knowing my my far now, as we say in Māori, is another way you can be more spiritual and then lastly uh, social social is your relationships with your family friends and other people in your life they are vital to your well-being they keep you connected to your um, family and identity and provide support caring and encouragement the sense of belonging and strength they give keeps you steady it's important to keep an eye on personal conflicts and relationship problems and try not to get them to be too big maybe you could take something up that you've always wanted to do but haven't got around to doing join a class or a group like cooking weaving netball soccer anything like that offer to babysit nephews nieces check out local courses or groups that teach you how to build a healthy relationship set up regular catch up with friends keep up with family go to family gatherings volunteer at local organizations churches or stuff like that get involved in your kids school so obviously social was another aspect as well and you know again as we go back to this as they said at the start of this sometimes these things are very obvious but are you doing them and if you can keep your physical your mind your spiritual and your social in place especially in this time of year which it is a bit more demanding it's a really good thing to think about. So I just wanted to share that with you. Again, those websites are depression.org.nz and then allright.org.nz. And remember, yeah, and I think this is one thing that I've learned in working with people, getting help is not weak. Getting help is not weak. Um, and using tools like those websites is not weak. We all need help. Uh, even when you're in a good place, we need help. Uh, and so it's just an important thing to kind of keep in your place. So anyway, um, I'm going to get into the main just today's show. Now, today, I'm going to admit today's show is a bit off the cuff because I had an interview lined up and literally they emailed me about an hour before the interview and said, look, I can't make it, I'm sorry. Can we rebook? So hopefully I'll have that person on for the next episode. So I um, then I kind of whipped together a bit of an idea for a show. So, And actually it's a little bit, parts of it are a little bit aligned with kind of some of the stuff we just talked about actually just one thing before i go back to this is is be the person in other people's lives who is, is the nurturer be the person who one thing i was writing down i was going to put a christmas challenge on the show which i haven't really talked about is um be the person who interviews the other person in your family you know at your family gathering get your nana in front of everyone and say nana we, we want to interview you or you know 
be the leader of some of this stuff. Because while we want to point people towards help, we also want to be the person who helps. And if you've got someone in your life who you know is a bit isolated, give them a call. Or if you want to set up a thing where you can do some history stuff with your family, like do that. Like I, I was, I was, I, One of the things I was thinking about doing for today's show was this whole idea of choose an old person in your life and interview them. Uh, recently I interviewed a person who I see as a bit of an inspiration and it was a kind of a project I had and it was so cool to sit down with this person it's not for the podcast it was just purely just for me to learn from them and uh, and you know going back to John Hallamans you know I loved interviewing him because I was just listening to a wise person and maybe one thing a bit of a project you could have over the holiday period is to choose someone in your family who you think has lived a good life and, and interview them literally say look I know just tell them you're doing a project you can say it's for the Ben James Oil show uh, and you want to interview someone and, and then before you go into the interview you may want to record the interview but before you go into the interview really think about some great questions um, think about hard questions think about interesting questions think about questions that will expose you to a side of that person that you maybe never knew because I imagine a you're going to learn more about life by doing that B you'll get a deeper connection with them uh, and then C it would just be a really cool experience that will, there'll probably be some pretty cool lessons in there for you so if you want your, your Bevan challenge uh, I, I challenge you to do that over your holiday period is choose maybe in your family if you don't have much family just choose someone in your life who you think is um, has maybe led an interesting life and again you want it to be an older person not someone who's young like it's an older person uh patrons if you want to become a patron of the bevan james Isles show go to bevanjamesisles.com and there's a patreon link there and funny i have a, a patron by the name of amanda super duper amanda amazing amanda i called her but i didn't know her last name and she emailed me it's amanda coleman watson and we kind of communicate back and forth but one thing that amanda does I really like is she's got, she was just saying she really loves the show and that's why she supports it and it's, you know, it's been a valuable tool in her arsenal of tools. Um, but one of the things she said is uh, awesome stuff here, but I'm not on any social media as we choose to list simple in the sticks of Australia. So I just kind of love, you know, that basically, um, you know, that simple life. You know, there is something to the simple life, isn't there? So Amanda, thank you so much for your support. And I'm finally glad I've got your last name. So that's kind of cool. Some other patrons of the show. If you become a patron, you get a cool nickname. And they include Samantha Magic Johnson. Uh, Samantha is a, a fitness instructor herself. And uh, that's kind of cool. Sally Super Trooper Lampart. Lampu, sorry. And Sally actually did the Queenstown Half Marathon last weekend. And Super Trooper is a great name for Sally because she is a blooming trooper. Uh, Laura Pfeiffer, a, a do... Uh, do do a lot, I think that's right, do do a lot, and she also did the Queensland Half Marathon, I think she did like a 136 maybe if I remember seeing on Facebook, so well done Laura, uh, then we've got Marie, oh now here's a hard name for me, let me, let me do my little apple trick here, Marie Andrix, Andrix, I wouldn't have got that, the sound of glory, and then we've got Triple S, the smart smasher, David Samuel. Uh, these are all patrons of the show. If you want to become a patron of the show, just go to bevanjamesisles.com and just donate as much as you want after every show. Anyway, I'm going to get into the main gist of today's show, so let's rock and roll and let's get into it. Uh, as I was saying before, I 
was had an interview planned, but unfortunately it fell by the wayside. And so I was kind of racking my brains about what I was going to do in today's show. And then I remembered, well, I, I kind of only did this last week, so it wasn't like I forgot. But I went down up to Auckland last weekend, no, the weekend before last, and I did some development with Les Mills, and they got all the trainers. So within Les Mills, in each country, that you basically have your local instructors, and you kind of have your local leaders, and then you have your national kind of trainers, they call them, which kind of like the people who train other instructors and present to other instructors. And I've been fortunate to be a trainer for a, a long time in my career. And they got us all together, and um, for three days, we basically just did some development, some reflection, some growth. We did a fitness challenge, I tell you. We did this fitness challenge and I couldn't walk for like three days afterwards. <laughs> and pretty much everyone who did it was kind of hopeless. We almost needed wheelchairs for the next three days. But it was it was really good fun. And um, it was, I know my last couple of shows have a lot been about connection, but it was really, really powerful. You know, we learned a lot and we definitely did some self-reflection but the real value in the weekend was these kind of bonds that we made with other people, uh, which was really great. But one of the things we did was uh, a guy called Ish, who I used to do a podcast years ago. I think some people who listen to this actually listen to that as well. I think we called it Forever Fitness. Um, and, and Ish and I uh, did that podcast for years, but he did a bit of a talk. He now is one of the leaders of Les Mills. He runs one of the high up within Les Mills, New Zealand. And he did a, a bit of a about a two-hour speech to us or a two-hour kind of facilitation thing uh, and there were a couple he, he kind of took us through the first half was about the roles of a leader um, and he did this kind of he told this story he's a very funny kind of storyteller and he told this story early on and it was kind of this whole concept of being a leader is a choice I don't think you're saying being a leader I can't make exact words but kind of you know he tells this funny story about how he wakes up one morning and there's a rat in the house and he could just leave home or being a leader is a choice now obviously not with a family it's not leader but it's kind of all being a good person is a choice is probably a better way of putting it and how he could have just walked out of the house his wife wouldn't have known but in that moment he had to confront am i a good person or not and being a good person is a choice because a good person would make the right choice right now, and the right choice is to deal with the rat. And he has this funny story, and, and often throughout the story, he was confronted with this idea of being a good person is a choice. And it's kind of one of those things that when you think about it, um, only you know the truth. And that was kind of the underlying message of this, is that there's sometimes where being a good person is very outwardly seen. It might be when you donate on the street and they give you a sticker. It might be when you do something really kind for another person. But sometimes it's not outwardly seen. Sometimes it is only known within you. But if you see yourself as a good person, you'd make that choice. And that was kind of the underlying message of that first talk, is that it is a choice, and it's about seeing those moments where you can make that choice. And do you make that choice? And, and to be honest, probably you only know the truth. But there's real value in you knowing the truth. So um, then he talked about the roles of a leader. I'm just going to quickly talk you through some of his points because, um, again, I got I had to kind of whip this together quickly today. But um, this I'm just going to talk quickly about these ones because there's a couple I really want to dig deep into. Uh, first of all, roles of a leader is finds clarity and confusion. So the role of a leader is to very much kind of 
see the big picture and actually see what really needs to be dealt with. Then it talks about turning fear into confidence. So then how to navigate through that confusion into clarity and then get people to take action. And that's kind of one of the things he talked about. Uh, then he talked about human fears. And this is quite interesting. Not being light, being seen as incompetent or being seen as insignificant. And when we think about our human fears, which ones hold you back? Like if I put that on you right now and I say to you, what what of those three would you say hold you back? Is it not being liked? Is it being seen as incompetent? Or is it being seen as insignificant? Now, when you identify what that is, then you can kind of ask, well, then how does this hold me back? So, for example, I have no problem with two or three. Like, I don't have a problem with being seen and competent because I kind of believe I am competent. So I I am confident in that area. Uh, Being seen as insignificant, again, I don't necessarily, that doesn't really bother me. So that's not really a driver for me. But not being liked has been a limiter in my life. Um, The need to be liked is is deep in me. I can't deny it. And... um, at times, it has held me back as a leader because sometimes I haven't said the hard thing that I've been thinking that would actually help the person grow because I wanted them to like me more than to lead them as a person. And it's an area that I've discovered in myself and one I've worked on to get better at. I don't know if I'm perfect at it, but it's definitely the one that I always probably have to work on because ultimately being liked is really important to me um, and so you know it's a good thing to kind of look at their human fears again what are they are not being liked being seen as incompetent or being seen as insignificant and then really to explore well what's the flow on effect of that so for me one of the flow on effects was I'm not as great a leader as I could be because sometimes I won't say the hard thing now once I discovered that then I was been found methods to work through it and it's kind of what it's about so there's some good thinking there as well but then he did this this kind of 15 quick points and I'm going to quickly read them out but there's a couple I want to dig into a little bit different a little bit deeper um, so the 15 key points and, and admittedly these are kind of around business so I have to admit they are kind of a bit around leadership and business but there are a couple that really just everybody in the group that really had a note with so the first one was it's not about you create opportunity for others to grow it's not about you create opportunities for others to grow and obviously this is about management and leadership but I love I did love this one that sometimes we're so inside ourselves that if we can actually start to look at the world and go okay well where do I get an opportunity for somebody to grow? And actually, a really good example of this, I got a phone call from my daughter. She's about to head overseas for about three, four months. She's going to go to South America. Her and her boyfriend are going to go um, backpacking around South America. And she's, worked, she's been living in Kens for the last, well, probably about 18 months now. And about eight months ago, she decided she wanted to do this adventure. So she's been working like an animal. She's been saving. I'm really proud of her. She's worked really hard, working in a bar, working a lot, pretty much seven days a week, she's working really, really hard. And at the same time, she's been um, saving like an animal. So she rings me up the other day, and she's just kind of getting everything in check before she goes. And she rings up and she says, Deb, do I need a credit card to go overseas? And upon reflection, so I kind of 
listened to her where she was at and then I kind of gave her my opinion and I said well babe she'd saved she saved a lot of money she's got all the money she won't need money for this trip she's actually probably going to come home with money in the bank because she saved too much which is I'm really proud of her because it's a big thing to do for a kid of her age um so in my mind I was like well you don't need a credit card because there are ways you can get a debit card you can get traveler's checks you know there's ways that you can get access to money which you just don't need a credit card for and if you get a credit card what what could be the possible costs of that going forward? And so I kind of I don't lecture her, I just kind of gave her my thoughts. And she rang me because she wanted my thoughts. Um and she does respect me around money, so, so I'm pretty sure she you know, I'm pretty sure she didn't get a credit card. Um but upon reflection of myself in that situation, I I, I am somebody who has kind of as money conscious, not money conscious, I, I quite passionate about the idea of finances in, in life and it's something that I always spend a lot of time on and, I'm, and I feel I'm pretty good at it and so I kind of just shared my thoughts and then afterwards I thought, oh I could have done that so much better, like I could have really guided my daughter to think about the process that would help her make the right decision for herself. Now ultimately I didn't think her net getting a credit card was a good thing but I I could have guided her better. And when you think about it's not about you, so I care about finances, I just want to share my caring about finances, but think of it as a creative, an opportunity to create, or to create an opportunity for others to grow, I really could have guided my daughter in a much wiser way, which made her come to the conclusion that getting a credit card wasn't needed. Just that mindset's a really good thing to have in your head. And I've got to be honest, most of the people who are going to listen to this show are probably growing in their life. And as you grow, you tend to get opportunity and others tend to want to be open to your opinion and maybe even roles in your life. And just to shift that mindset of it's not about me, it's just about creating opportunity for others to grow. One of the things we see a lot of people I work with in, in business, for example, is oh, I have to do it myself. And they get trapped in this world where it's just doing so much stuff. But if you look at your world and you go, well, if I'm doing everything myself, I'm actually limiting the opportunity for others to grow. That can can help shift you. And so it's A, frees you. B, allows you to develop others. And then C, allows you to explore how you can develop others. So next time my daughter rings me for advice on something, I know that I'm going to put in that mindset of, it's my opportunity to help Tyler grow as a person. And me providing her the answers might be a method, but it'll probably be the last method if I don't really help guide her along that way. So that was point number one. Uh, point number two, don't hire people you don't like or people, oh, don't hire people like you or people you like, uh, which is, you know, basically kind of the message there was kind of broaden your influence group because if we just get people we like or just like us, ultimately maybe we won't get as much as a broader picture around a certain topic or an area we're trying to develop on number three everything you fix a problem every time you fix a problem for someone there's a cost and it kind of goes back to what i was talking about before that if i just fix your problem i'm not really helping you grow uh and whereas a good leader i remember a while ago i was talking to someone and he was a bit of a genius, he was a, he was a university lecturer, and he was talking about how kids will often just come to you wanting the answers, and, and the, you know, he realised early on in his career that actually his job was to help them figure it out, because if he does it himself, and just gives them the answer, 
they haven't really learned. And again, that's kind of the cost. So every time you fix a problem for someone, there's a cost. And what is that cost? Uh, Number four, the strength of your relationships will be the success of your future. Now this is the one that really, I'm just making sure that this one doesn't come up again, but I think this doesn't come up again. This was the one that really hit home. And we're really at home. So I was in a group of highly successful fitness professionals. Um, and it wasn't necessarily the relationships with the people they help in the world. Like when you work in fitness, you spend a lot of time, you know, getting to help people with exercise. And so um, the problem when in our world is the people they go home to get the worst version of us. The people we go home to get the worst version of us. And... I don't think this is just a fitness industry problem. I think this is a problem in lots of people's lives. Is that, who does your, what version of you does your partner get? If you have kids, what version of you does your kids get? And it was a bit of an eye-opener in this kind of session we have, because a few people in the room kind of realised that ultimately the best of them was going to maybe, not the wrong people, but not of the, the best of them was going to the right people. And it was just a real eye-opener. And I imagine a lot of people in this session went home with the intention of changing who they bring home after the fact. Now, if, if you're listening to this right now and you're thinking, geez, Bev, you're right. I know when I go home, my wife, my, my family, my, my, you know, whoever it is that you live with gets the worst version of me. Well, something's got to change, eh? Because if you've got bad relationships at home, what's the cost on the rest of your life? And and also, if we flip that, if you've got a great relationship at home, what's what's the benefit on your life? Like I'm really I can proudly sit here and say that my wife and I have an amazing relationship, and we um, we connect so strongly. Um, and and I was after this was the crew of us driving back in the van to the airport afterwards, and someone asked me a question about this, and and I and one thing I said was I work really hard to make my wife feel great, and I really do. Like I I when I come home, I always make sure I walk in and I'm I go up to her straight away and I just spend a moment with her. I I try to kiss her passionately every day. Um, it's something I, I I'm kind of I believe in. I try to. I try to learn her cues when she needs me there emotionally. I, I Little things like my wife needs a tidy house to unwind and I'm never going to be the person who does the most work around the house, but I do my bit and I, and I try to make sure I'm conscious of just doing my bit and caring for that enough, not just assuming she's going to do the work. And all the, you know, also just kind of what, what if what version of me she gets? I you know I put down my phone when I get home at night, so I'm not on my phone when I'm, we're spending that time together. These things are all things that take effort. But don't get me wrong, it's not hard because the reward is the benefit of a great relationship and that's tenfold the effort that I have to put in. I mean, And I enjoy the effort as well. But I think that for a lot of people, they don't put the effort in with those relationships. It's not just my wife, it's, it could be your kids and all the rest of it. And so those relationships just become hard. And if we look at the strength of your relationships will be the success of your future – Well, what's the cost if you're not doing that? And so if you're listening to this right now and you know that you haven't been putting effort in, 
just just put some effort in. It's, it's really not that hard. I remember my ex-partner, Annalise, and I'd come home from work and she would always be in kind of my old house. You kind of the entrance was kind of the kitchen, and she was often in the kitchen as I was coming home from work. And she'd always turn around. And I remember she was just always so happy to see me, and she'd like literally like run to the door and just come and give me a hug. And it was man, that made me feel special. And I, like I try to be that for Joe, and, and when I see Tyler and the people in my life that are important to me, I want them to feel that they are special. And sometimes, you know, like I work long days, I do lots of exercise, sometimes I'm tired, but that little bit of effort really makes a difference. And it was kind of scary to see the amount of people in our group who are really good with people. Like, and you've got to be good with people if you're in the fitness industry. These people are really good with people, but this was the one area that really hit home for them. So um, I challenge you to put the effort in. The answers I don't think are that hard. The answers are giving someone attention, showing some affection, um, caring, putting, you know, compromising some of yourself. You know, it's not rocket science. Kind of if we think back to what we talked about with the depression stuff. Sometimes it's obvious. It's just you need to do it. So that's that's a really important one. Number five was um, discover your brand equity. I don't really need to go into that. Uh, number six was take feedback seriously, but don't take it. All ser- or don't take all feedback seriously and that's about putting a bit of a filter in I'm not going to talk through all these because I just want to get the ones that I, I felt were quite applicable uh, number seven was if you're not taking a few knocks you're not even in the game um, and actually I, 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 a guy called David actually Triple S David one of the patrons of the show I'm going to pull up right now he sent through this really cool little diagram the other day and I, actually I might put it in the show notes I'll put a link to it in the show notes and it's kind of this idea of um, knowing when to quit. And I actually think I might be doing a deeper podcast on this. So I'm just going to quickly talk about this. But it's basically when people often quit and when you really should, you know, when's a bad point to quit. And it's this whole idea of we're going to take a few knocks along the way. But if you want to get, the, if you want to, get to the end of the game or if you want to get to where you're going to go, you've got to learn how to just keep on staying in the game. And if you're not getting knocks it probably means you're not playing the game hard enough. And I'm going to go into a little bit more detail around what David sent through me because I think there's some really good lessons around action here. But if you're not challenged and you don't have a few setbacks along the way, maybe you aren't growing enough. Maybe you need to lift your game a little bit along the way as well. And um, and then to understand that if you do get knocked, it's a part of the journey. And maybe when I do this session that David kind of sent through to me, um, we can dig deeper into that. Number eight was what got you to where you are will not got you get you to where you are going, which is a which is one I like. It's kind of cool, you know. It's that kind of idea of that we need to evolve and keep growing. Uh, number nine, a success for your team is a success for you. The kind of a leadership one. Number nine, that's number ten. Learn to walk in the grey, and that was kind of about what was that? I can't actually remember, but I think it makes sense. Which is that kind of idea of. There is no black and white learn to kind of navigate between. Uh, number 11, being a success... Oh, here, so here we go. Being a success at work and a failure at home is a cop-out. And again, that was what I was just talking about before. It really is. I, I, I almost think that being a success in only one area of your life is a bit of a cop-out, which is a hard thing to say. But ultimately, we're trying to develop a person. And it's great to be successful one thing, but... 
aim to be a successful person. Like that's that's the goal. And if you're successful at work or in one thing, but kind of lacking everywhere else, maybe you need to shift your focus of your life. Maybe you need to shift your attention a little bit because it is a cop-out. You're just allowing your success to blindside the areas you need to develop. And so that's something to think about. Number 12, uh, pull out the match. Put out the match, not the bushfire. And this is this is probably the, the second. So the, that one, the last point around the family was the, the one that hit home the most. And then probably this one was the one that also hit the most. And it was this whole idea of put out the match, not the bushfire. And what it really meant was, is that often we know there is a problem, but we don't deal with it. We, so that we see a match, the match starts, and we see it there, but, you know, like me, you might want to be liked, or you don't want to be seen as a poster, um, so you don't really confront what needs to be confronted while it's just a match. But then, because you don't confront it, it ultimately turns into a bushfire, and the ability, and, and I'm sure most of us listening to this, if you've been in a relationship in your life, often the argument is not really about the argument that you're arguing about. It's about the thing that happened at the match point three or four days ago. And so when we think about this, is if we can become better at putting out the match, then the bushfires will never start. And, 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 and to be honest, if you can get it at the match point, it's, you know, literally it's, it's wet your fingers and close the match. Whereas if it's a bushfire, you need helicopters, you, you know, you need monsoon buckets, you know, like it's it's a much harder thing to deal with the longer you leave it. And so to develop the ability to confront hard stuff with those in your life, and when I say that, I really mean develop the ability, not just to say, hey, here's what you've got wrong, is to learn communication skills, to learn the way to put out the match so it's a it's a successful experience for all involved is a really powerful tool because ultimately it removes a lot of stress from your life. Because think of yourself right now. Think of an area where deep down in the past you knew you should have put out a match, but you didn't, and it turned into a bushfire. Like how stressful was the experience as it got to the bushfire point? Whereas if you can say, okay, here's a match, I need to put it out. Like, actually, Joe and I, I can't remember what happened the other day. Joe was, I, I said something the other day as a joke. Um, and Joe just took it a little bit the wrong way. And, and, and I could kind of see why. Um, and I, I knew instantly there was a match point. I just knew, you know. So I just kind of went, when I said, oh, we talked about it. And we got to a place. And then within 10 minutes, we were cuddling in a really good place. Now, I could have just thought, oh, she's being silly because she didn't get my joke. And then that could have started a bushfire. Now, the fact that I was able to see, oh, shit, okay, I obviously got that wrong in that joke and I need to address this with Joe. Suddenly we had a connection point really quickly and it didn't turn into this thing that could have lasted three or four days, a real disconnection. Joe and I, we just kind of, if we had problems, we're not yellers, so we just kind of stopped talking. <laughs> so it would be a really quiet time in the house. Um, and so the thing to challenge you with there is see the matches. Learn to see the matches. And like I said before, develop the way to confront matches earlier. And I've got to be honest, it'll be easier if you do that. And then confront. And I guarantee you'll be less stressful, more connected with your world if you do this. Our number 13 was 80% is the new perfect, which was, 
in some ways right in some ways wrong what he was kind of saying there is at least in, in the business world sometimes you're better to ship than try to make something perfect um which is sometimes true um or no maybe no unfairly what what probably the better point was sometimes perfection limits output or shipping you know I, I talk about shipping shipping is this idea of do you actually get it to the market and if the perfection is stopping you from getting it to the market well you need to lessen the need to, for it to be perfect to allow you to do that number 14 was things don't happen to you they happen for you and that's a perspective thing I think I talked about that lady on the plane last month on the last episode and that's just perspective isn't it if you can develop to me there's a few, there's kind of a few things that I kind of things skills that I think really help people in living a good life and developing the ability to influence your perspective in a way that is good for you to me is one of the most powerful things that you can do and I'll give a really good example I had a class last week I taught a class and the good thing about my job is when I teach a class it's only an hour but I love teaching fitness classes I love it it's it's, I've done it for nearly 20 years absolutely love it and last Wednesday I taught a class and I just wasn't there. And it was the first time in, I think I had this memory when I was doing Ironman, but that's because I was so tired. But it was the first time in the longest time I thought to myself, oh, how long's this class? Like, And it was just like in the warm-up. I was like, oh, mate. And I remember thinking, I'm literally in the warm-up thinking, how long is this class going to be? And I remember thinking, oh, God, I'm th- thank God I've got a job where it's only an hour because imagine if I had to do this for eight hours. So I was obviously in a really bad mind space. And I'm not quite sure why, to be honest. So it was just one of those days. And so the next day, um, I was heading to the gym. And you know how sometimes you have a thought and it almost starts to trigger of you having that thought in the future? Well, that's kind of what happened to me because as I was driving to the gym, one thing I'll acknowledge is that I have been a little bit tired recently and a little bit sore in my body. I've had a couple of little niggles with my back and I have been working really hard recently. So I was kind of getting to that point of year where I need a break. Um, so maybe the fatigue factor was one of the reasons, but this whole idea of um, feeling tired as I mean to this class. And I kind of just got hit with this sort of, oh my God, I'm feeling tired. Um, and then I, I kind of went back to that thought that I had in the class the night before. Oh, you only got to get it through an hour. Luckily, a class is only an hour long. Now, the thing about the class that I was going to as well, it was on the on it's on a Thursday night, and it's normally a pretty busy class. But last weekend in Christchurch, we had a long weekend, so the Friday was the day off work. So it was kind of like doing a Friday night class, and so there wasn't going to be that many people in the class. So A, I'm feeling tired. B, I'm kind of a bit sore. C, I'm, I know I'm turning up to a small class, which does take a little bit more effort. And then and, and then D, that trigger thought of, oh, you've only got to do an hour. But in, in a despondent way really popped up in my head. And I, luckily, I caught that perspective. And that's what I mean going back to, the, I think one skill, one of the greatest skills you can develop in yourself is the ability to shift perspective. And if we think back to the storytelling tool that I did a few episodes ago, that's what I went to in this moment. I was like, oh, actually... If I'm in this path, the experience is going to be a pretty crappy class. And also, it's probably going to be a very inner class. And what do I mean by that? Like Sometimes I teach a class, and I'm just in my head. Like, I'm, I'm doing the job. I'm going through the motions. But actually, I'm just in my head the whole class. 
Um, and, and I admit, as I'm getting older, sometimes it can be because I'm getting older. Oh, you know, you're getting old, you can't do this anymore. So I caught this perspective and I did this storytelling technique. Is this perspective going to help serve me better? And no, no. So then I shifted my perspective and I just thought, I'm just going to get in there and make a fun experience for the people in the room. And I taught, I was, I taught a, well, I can say this, I taught a great class. And it was really cool because um, in Les Mills, I have a pretty big profile. And after the class, a girl from America who lived in, in California, her name was Taylor, a girl Taylor from America, she came up to me after the class and she said, oh my God, I'm an instructor from America. And I flew to Christchurch. She'd been in Auckland and she'd flown to Christchurch just to come do my class. So this, this girl from America had been spending some time in New Zealand, spent probably a couple, probably a couple hundred bucks at least, probably you know, three or four hundred bucks to come do one class with me. And after the class, as I was driving home, I was like, I'm so glad that I found the perspective that allowed me to teach the class how I know I love teaching the class. So this experience, which ultimately could have been a pretty glum, just get through the hour experience, actually was a really reinforcing experience. It was really fun. And I kind of got to deliver for somebody who put a lot of effort to come and experience what I do, what I feel I want to deliver in those experiences. And and ultimately, it was that kind of my ability to shift perspective and catch the perspective that wasn't working for me and find one that helped me be who I want to be in this world. And this whole idea of things don't happen to you, they happen for you is a bit like that. That they, if you can start to look at the world like that, then you will treat them in ways that help you get what you can get from them. And again, if we go back to my last episode, that lovely lady on the plane who had lost, an, you know, lost the ability of pretty much, she hit her arm, but she could hardly use it, lost her sight in one eye, could walk, but it was a bit of an effort. And she said to me, you know, the key to life is always seeing what you still got. And to me, that's a, such a powerful tool. And then um, last one was use your time on stage. And I think what he meant by that is, in stages of life, we only have so much time in these stages. So don't don't waste them. Make the most of them. So hopefully, so I know today's show has been a little bit different to what we normally do, but hopefully some little nuggets in there. It's a bit more of a nugget show for you guys today. So as I always kind of wrap up this section of the show, take some of the learnings from these, and then ultimately you can be a better version of yourself. Right, I think this is the main gist of today's show done and dusted. Again, it was a bit of a kind of off-the-cuff show, uh, and the reasons being was because I lost my interview, but I hopefully will have them on the next episode, and it's someone who's pretty great, so it'll be good to get them on and kind of dig deep with them. Uh, if you want to email me, you can email me at bevanjames at gmail.com. If you want to become a patron, just go to bevanjamesisles.com. Spread the word about the show on social media. Uh, you're spreading of the word really really helps and uh, that's pretty much me for today I'll be back in a couple weeks time with an interview on the show and then it's pretty much going to be Christmas which is pretty great so I'll be back in a couple weeks time you guys have a wonderful couple weeks and keep being you because that's what life's all about